Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Aaron Wathen. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. All right, Aaron's a holistic health coach, a food abuse counselor, and the author of Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? How to End the Food Drama. So Aaron and I had a great chat all about um, diets and not only why they don't work, but a lot of um, mindset and emotional work going into why diets don't work. So I think this one will really be a great eye-opener. You know, it was for myself too, and just like opening up for maybe cycles of patterns that you want to get out of. And so I kind of opened up about one that I personally got out of um, a few months ago and um, how I did it. And then Aaron also shares about, well, we had a great discussion about sleep and the importance of sleep. And then we share some personal uh, memories from when our kiddos were young and not sleeping. So if you're in that phase of life, totally understand. And we kind of give you some um, tips on that. Or maybe you're just someone who does not like to go to bed, um, you know, on a, in a timely fashion. And we kind of give you tips about how to um, maneuver life um, by getting enough sleep. So it's a great, great um, discussion with her. Again, her book is called Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? Uh, and you can find that on Amazon. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by my free dosha quiz. It's at andreaclausen.com backslash quiz. So I decided to create a super comprehensive quiz all about your dosha. So as you guys have heard me talk about Ayurveda, I wanted to give you guys the tools to understand what your dosha is and how you can start to implement some of the things that I'm teaching into your lives. And so whether you're a vata, pitta, or kapha, this quiz will help give you kind of details on what to do and by listening to the podcast, a little bit more understanding of exactly how Ayurveda can fit into your lives. So head on over to andreaclausen.com backslash quiz to take that free quiz and learn more about your dosha. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today I have Aaron Wathen on with me and I'm excited we are chatting fitness. And so before we kind of get to it, Aaron, I want to know a little bit about your fitness background and how you even came into the fitness and wellness industry. No problem. Thanks for having me. I was always an athletic kid. I was on sports teams growing up. You you name it, I was doing it. I grew up in California, so you could, you know, be outside year round. That's fabulous. I actually even went to grad school in Hawaii. Mm. Definitely outdoors sorts of places. But when I was in my working days, I started working out after work because I needed that, you know, that energy release. And I was always someone that started working out. I always exercised. And then after I moved to Manhattan at 20 something, I started running. I actually professionally taught how to run by, you know, there are people you can train to hire you in Manhattan to teach you how to run properly, which seems really silly because little kids can run. But if you want to be efficient at running, kind of, helps to have someone teach you. Yes. Yeah. So many people run. No, I am totally, I used to coach young sports and I agree with that. So many of the kids do not run properly. So yeah, it's like, it's like I used to teach swim lessons in high school and college and a lot of people don't swim that efficiently naturally. So I started um, running and that just sort of started this very consistent habit I've had ever since of working out and fitness that definitely has never wavered, you know, with kids and, you know, babies and pregnancies. I've just had a very strong connection to fitness to the point that when I was actually in labor, I didn't realize it until I realized I was having a contraction every song. Oh my gosh. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I was like, wait, it's Braxton Hicks are coming every song. That's really weird. Yeah. Um, oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. After my daughter, who was the one that I was in labor with on the elliptical was about I don't know, nine months old. I saw a sign at the gym because we'd moved to the suburbs from Manhattan. And I was in this phase of like, so now what? I didn't want to go back to my corporate job of you know being gone all day and it was sort of one of those careers where just emotionally exhausting yeah and then I saw a sign for do you want to work out more do you want to get paid to work out you know it was like half a certification <laughs> like, yeah, sure I, I'm not busy on Saturday and yeah, I paid the money and they sent me the book and that was the beginning of me and teaching group exercise 
So it started off, you know, I was a sub and then like most of us, when we start teaching, we got to work our way up to like the good classes, to the following, to the prime time classes. And, you know, it's a, it's definitely a a learning experience. I kind of shudder when I think back to how I used to teach. I'm sure there's tape of it somewhere or videos, but, um, I started off with spinning and then yoga came and then Pilates and then I did like bar and TRX, but spinning is definitely my first love. I'm actually teaching tonight. And, uh, I'm just still just someone that exercises most days a week, even if I'm teaching. So, mm. Gosh. Yeah, I know. I can definitely probably relate with uh, looking back and thinking what I did 11 years ago. I don't even want to know. Gosh. I know. Like, how like, cute and how you... Oh, man. <laughs> I know that. And like personal training clients. I remember the first time when I had my first client at the gym, I asked one of the trainers, I was like, wait, so like, what do I do? And she was like, oh, honey. She's like, I know they, you know, you get certified and no one really tells you like actually how to do a session. And so she taught me what she did and how she, you know, creates workout plans. So I was like, thank gosh, thank gosh for, I think her name was Shelly. And so I was like, thank goodness for her. Cause she really helped pave my way into like how to train. So, I mean, I could totally relate to that being like, oh gosh, train yeah. probably in the beginning. No, I remember when I, cause AFA was just this general certification I got in the beginning, which was just this certification you could get so you could teach like step and I had no desire to teach step, but I remember in the book, it said, take all the classes you can take no matter what it is and just see what works in the class and what doesn't. That's a great idea. And so I was taking like classes I hated like high, low and, you know, weird types of Zumba and I don't Zumba. Right. And her husband was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm seeing what works and what doesn't. And he was like, oh, and I learned so much about like how to cue and how not to cue and just what demoing worked because I'd gone to classes, I think since I was probably like 10, you know, I'm going with my mother, the library or the community center or whatever. But when you actually go with like a student's mind to a group X class, as far as like, I'm going to be doing that one day. Yeah. It's a very different experience. But also, why isn't something working? Why did everyone raise the right foot when she said to raise the left arm? Like that kind of stuff is fascinating when you're looking at it from a I'm gonna be doing that one day perspective. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's a that's a really good point because I love to go to yoga classes, but I always just go usually for my own like you know, get out of my own head. But I like the idea of even just going to get like new sequence ideas and like coming at it from like, okay, how can I incorporate this? And just that little shift, probably not all the time. Cause I don't want to do that every yoga class, but I like doing, you know, having a set agenda going into class. I think that's really helpful because I know yeah. there are trainers and coaches that listen to the show. So I think that will be helpful for them as well. I think it does definitely help because we can get so just, you know, all right, add a little resistance, add a little speed. What kind of class do you want today? Into the um, routine. Yeah. Well, especially like Bikram. I mean, they literally have a routine. They, yeah. they have a script, <laughs> but those of us that have a little more flexibility, we have a certain, you know, like anything, anything becomes routine. Right. So I think a really good place to go and you don't want to steal you know, someone's you know, yeah. ideas verbatim, Yeah, but you can always get inspiration yes. from someone else. And even you can even go online and you know, there's so much stuff out there nowadays just to keep it interesting. Um, there's even things like there's a Pilates, uh, membership I used to have where they, like every month they'd have like 25 different sessions on a reformer you could watch. And I got tons of ideas there. Cause you're like, wow. how many different ways can I teach the hundred? Wow. Well, there are a lot of ways. <laughs> so, I love that. I love yeah. that. So another thing that you have, um, is a book and it's called, why can't I stick to my diet? And, um, I want to know like kind of what inspired that and you know, what is like the number one reason why diets don't work? That's a very good question. <laughs> um, what inspired it was I was exercising all the time, but I always had a good 10 to 15 pounds I wanted to lose and I just couldn't. And I didn't understand why. I remember always saying to my husband, why don't I look thinner? How come I'm not skinnier or whatever? And I think he always just shrugged because he knew there wasn't, wasn't a right answer for him to say. 
<laughs> but it wasn't until I took a really cold, hard look at my food and what I was eating and drinking when I realized, wait, I'm drinking diet Coke by the gallon and I live on sugar. This is my kids are really little mm -hmm. and you know, it was tons of diet Coke and NutraSweet and gummy bears and you know, their goldfish and just all day. It was like, I was just going from caffeine to sugar and sugar to caffeine that I realized I got a problem. Mm -hmm. So once I was able to really address that I needed to get off of all of those things, then the weight fell away. But when I was doing all that work on myself, I also noticed that those 10 to 15 pounds, I originally thought it was 10, it turned out to be 15 in the end. Um, <laughs> those 10 to 15 pounds were also keeping me a little bit protected in this like mom bubble of not really going out in the world. I was just sort of really safe and, you know, pick up and drop off and teaching my four to five classes a week and not really putting myself out there and not really, like I said, I used to have a job in Manhattan and really felt like I was part of the adult world. But once I was in the suburbs and I was running the school book fair and doing all those things, which are very, very important, but I wasn't really truly happy doing them. Like I learned I needed to be. Yeah. Cause those 15 pounds, once I realized, wait, I'm kind of using this as, as an excuse to not put myself fully out there, to not take my teaching to the next level, to not go for what I really wanted. And what I really wanted was to be a wellness coach was to be, you know, an expert and to be a resource and to really put things at the next level. But, you know, when I was not really liking how I looked and I was, you know, not loving how I was feeling, I wasn't going to do that. Right. But for someone that had been dieting off and on since they were 14, to see the difference in myself when I stopped having all those weird thoughts. I was like, wait, there's something here. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to becoming a food addiction counselor was once I realized the emotional eating component, that's when I was like, wait, there's a huge connection here because so many of us, we go on diets, which is why I named my book. Why can't I stick to my diet? Because that's a question asked by many of us mm -hmm. almost every day or once a week at least. And the answer is because we go on a diet in the first place, mm -hmm. we have this mindset that for a short period of time, we're going to eat in a way that we don't really like. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get results and those results are going to last and then by eating the way we always wanted to eat, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And we're never going to address what got us there in the first place. And we're never going to address how we're going to stay there because eating how we've always secretly wanted to is going to keep us there. I mean, it's completely illogical, <laughs> but I had to really analyze it because I had just been, you know, mindlessly going on diets forever. Right. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, can I be skinny by, you know, my high school reunion or skinny by, you know, Friday or whatever it was never really thinking like, wait, why, why is this an issue for me? Why am I here? But once I really looked at it and then I kind of noticed with my friends, like the ones that were always in and out of like Weight Watchers or, you know, doing the diet of the week thing or what was behind it and what they really weren't dealing with, I noticed something that really needed to be addressed. And that's why I wrote my book, Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? Because I think so many of us think it's our fault that we can't stick to our diet. And the problem is we can't stick to it because we never really address the underlying issues. All we do is we count the points, we cut the carbs, we do all this surface level work. And unless we really get to the root of it, of why we eat when we're not hungry or what purpose this extra weight is serving in our lives, we are pretty much destined to repeat it because those wear patterns in our brains are so well established from going there time after time after time. And we also have these really bad habits of not dealing with things because we're hiding out in food. Mm -hmm. For example, like you get in an argument with your sister and you go eat some ice cream, right? 
okay, so you eat the ice cream, you got a huge amount of sugar, you know, your body's trying to process all the, the dairy, then you, okay, what, then you have this whole conversation with yourself about like, do I not eat dinner? Do I do extra time on the treadmill? And this whole like cycle starts. Meanwhile, you still have this unresolved issue with your sister and whatever crazy thing she did that week. Well, that still needs to be addressed. Like, is it, is that ever going to be addressed? And if, if you have enough of these incidents where your sister long-standing problems aren't addressed, you have a lifetime of things that aren't addressed because you're always going to food. So when we go on a diet for, you know, a month, two months, whatever, for, for the event, for the wedding, for the high school reunion, and we, you know, count the, count the points or cut the whatever's. And then our sister is our sister. Like she's like, she'll always be right. <sighs> and we go to ice cream because that's what we always do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that we've done, you know, keto for three months. We never really fix the thing about a problem with my sister equals food. Cause that's what really is keeping us eating to work on ourselves. It's not so much about the thing that we think it is. So the reason we can't stick to our diet is because we have a dieting mentality. Hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, I think all of that, like just the underlying issue, because I think that one's huge for many people or just not living up to your full potential and just, you know, just kind of hiding behind that and not, you know, just not wanting to do anything with it. Because I think those are like two huge things that take work and we don't always want to do that work. So like, what are steps that people can do to maybe being like, okay, that was eye opening Cause maybe they just realize that they have this issue. Um, do you have anything for them to do? Maybe like first step is here's how you can kind of start looking at that issue and here are other ways to do deal with that issue besides just going to food. No problem. Just be aware, like just stop, stop, oh, sorry, stop hiding in your food, for example, when you're about to eat something, check in with yourself, no matter what it is, no matter if it's two o'clock in the morning in the dark, <laughs> eating the leftover Easter candy or, you know, you know, or whatever you're doing, just check in with yourself because, you know, I have a lot of clients in the beginning do the 20 minute pre during and after check-in when they eat. So example, before they eat, they, they write it down or they mentally write it down, like how they're feeling. I have them pause in the middle and I have them comment on the end. So for example, before breakfast, they're feeling rushed because they're running late. In the middle, I have them check in and pause. Do I still like this? Does it taste okay? And then they'll wait, be like, wait, you know, actually, I think I'm full. Mm-hmm. But they never would have noticed if they didn't check in with themselves. Mm-hmm. And then 20 minutes afterwards... Yep. It was right decision to stop halfway. But if we don't ever ask ourselves these questions, we can never even get on that path of having any real insight into ourselves. So it's like a muscle. We just got to start developing it. But if we lived our whole life ignoring it on purpose, it's got to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So let's start small. Let's start with before we eat, while we're eating, after we're eating. So then the next time your sister is your sister and you have that thought of what's happening in the freezer, wait, huh, I'm not actually hungry. I'm just really frustrated because she's so demanding. What if I sat here with this feeling? I bet you the world would keep rotating (laughs) and I won't explode and I'm going to, you know, journal or call a friend or buy shoes online or go for a walk or go, go do 25 other things other than drown my sorrows in a pint of chubby hubby. Once you do that the first time, you can do it the second time and the third time, but you have to start that awareness process with food and how you're feeling with a small thing, like 20 minutes before, during, and after when you're eating. So when something happens that's bigger, like with your sister, for example, you're in that process of connecting your mind and your body. Cause so many of us are detached. Like it's when it comes to food, we just kind of eat. <laughs> we don't even really think about how we're feeling. 
And, um, you know, I have honestly told my clients numerous times, if you're upset, don't eat. It won't digest well. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, what? But it, but it's dinner time. I'm like, you can wait a half an hour. You will not die. Mm. I promise you, you will not die. <laughs> you know, or if you're really upset and cooking something, stop cooking it. The energy is off of it. Just, you know, please. And they always look at me like I'm crazy, but I really believe that. Oh, so, yeah. so when we are eating and all this really weird energy goes into things and we're eating out of emotion and just all this stuff, it's bound to cause problems down the line. So if we can just start small by, you know, at breakfast, I'm not saying you got to start three meals a day tomorrow, but just at breakfast, check in with yourself. How do I feel? Okay, great. I, I feel rushed. I feel calm. It's like the little poster kids have in preschools with like the 45 different emojis to how they feel. How do you feel? And then halfway through, do I still like this? Does it need to be warmed up? Is it cold? Is it, I don't know. You tell me but getting that connection built up. So when we have a crisis and there's going to be way bigger things in life than your sister being annoying, we have those good habits built up because when we have decades of, let's face it, not super functional habits built up with food, we need to start slowly to build them, to build up the positive habits. Yes. No, those are great. That's a great example of, um, little steps and how to do it. And I completely agree with the food and that's, they, we talk about that in Ayurveda is try to always be sitting when you eat and, you know, make your food from a happy, positive state of mind rather than anger. And, um, so I totally am believing all of that. And I literally just before I sat down for this interview, cause I hadn't eaten anything and it's way past lunch. And usually lunch is my biggest meal of the day. Cause again, that's what are you going to teaches us? <laughs> so that's what I do. So I like, was like, okay, I'm starving, but I don't have time to eat a meal. Let me just grab this muffin. So I'm like shoving it in my face. And then I just sat down and I was like, wow. And normally I would not have ever given that a second thought, but today I, I noticed me sitting and I was like, well, that was interesting. Like it did not necessarily did not do anything besides probably not make my stomach crawl as I interview you. <laughs> and I'm like, huh, well, I'm glad I noticed that. And it's not like judging myself for it. Cause I think sometimes we get in our head about like, that was wrong. That was bad. No, just, it's just, it's just data. It's yes. Just data. Yeah. You're like, how did that feel? Okay. Let's try not to do that again. And yeah. all right, moving on from there. And just kind of, those are the things that like, I don't think we do enough in our day. It's just those little check-ins like with a yeah. snack and anything. Yeah. You know, um, when I, We'll appreciate this because you're a yogi. But when I was in my yoga certification class, meditation was so hard for me. Mm-hmm. And I like tried to force it, right? <laughs> Being a good pitta, I tried to force it. And I remember like sitting there and just trying to be so mindful, you know, and I would just like have like, you know, fingernail marks in my hand because I was trying to force it. which, you know, it's like the antithesis of what they tell you to do. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But but what was interesting was, I don't know, I don't remember how I figured this out or if somebody told me or, you know, I can't remember this was, you know, five or six years ago, but I remember just trying to like observe my thoughts when I was forcing the meditation. Mm. <laughs> and that's got me down a path of like trying to judge them less. And through, through enough times of sitting on the mat, I was eventually able to get it and not be so much of a bull in a china shop of, in my head. Yes. I yes. Meditate, but <laughs> when I get it right so much, it just wasn't happening. But trying to observe your thoughts is the same thing with like, Hmm, maybe the muffin wasn't a good idea or maybe the muffin made me feel a little bloated or uncomfortable or however you're feeling and not, not going anywhere past that other than that didn't work in the future. I should have, whatever the heck you should have done and said, I don't know what it is and not judging it. Just it's data, right? It's just, it's a thought. So, but when we get in this whole, I am, or I never, that's when things can get really murky. And if it all starts in our thoughts and we can, and we can redirect our thoughts, then we can change our habits and we can change how we act. And we have a lot more going on than we think we do. 
Yes. Yes. I mean, and it starts from just that slowing down piece and just kind of getting connected with ourselves. And I know something that you talk about too is lack of sleep and how that's connected to what we are eating. And, um, like I want to, I want to kind of explore that and unpack that a little bit more in case someone is like, what? I never even put two together. Well, a couple things when we, (laughs) when we don't sleep enough, we tend to make poor food choices or really poor choices in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of studies on, you know, sleepless sleepiness and car accidents or sleepiness and, you know, bad decisions in general. Mm -hmm. But also there's something you might not even be aware of when we're not getting enough sleep. And this can be as small of a lack of sleep as an hour. We're more likely to go to fast acting carbohydrates, i.e. sugar. Mm -hmm. We're more likely to try to get that energy from food that we would have naturally if our sleep cycle wasn't all messed up. I mean, for example, last night was Sunday. And even though I didn't really want to, I did stay up a little later than I intended to because there was something on TV and, you know, the whole thing. And I would feel better, you know, in general, if I'd gone to bed when I was supposed to go to bed, like I try to be asleep by 10. Does it happen on Sundays? Rarely. I know this logically, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I, but when my kids were little and they, God knows what would happen in the middle of the night, I was way better about going to bed earlier because who knew an ear infection or anything could happen in the middle of the night. Oh yeah. They're older now. So they're 12 and nine. So the middle of the night thing isn't as dicey. So now I have like way too much overconfidence of like, well, I'm going to get sleep, (laughs) which has led me to bad decisions. So Mm -hmm. when we don't get enough sleep, we typically go to food for um, energy and the food choices we're drawn to are always fast acting carbs. And we tend to have a distorted sense of, of portions as well, because we're trying to get that energy from somewhere that we would have gotten if we had had enough rest. Yes. Uh, and I can, I can see this more cause I used to never have like sleep issues. Like I could sleep through the night and just be solid, yeah. but obviously since becoming a mom, like things just go out the window with that. And my mm-hmm. first, when he was really little, like now he's for the most part sleeping through the night. But again, it's those like last week he woke up for gosh knows why, like in the middle of the night, for four hours. I have no oh idea. Gosh. And singing to himself. It's not like, he, I mean, he was just like content and me and my husband are like, Oh my gosh. And we're like throwing back into that when he was little, like just up all the time. And you can just see how much, like if any new parents out there listening, like it will get better, but that oh is gosh. a challenging time. Like when you're constantly up so sleep deprived. And of course, like the first thing I had in the morning, because it was like, I just craved it. It was like this croissant, which I actually yeah. I tried to buy one recently. It was from Trader Joe's and it was like this almond croissant. And I thought they were the best thing ever. And I ate one recently because I'm like, I remember these being amazing. And I was like, this is disgusting. You know, just kind of because I don't, that was way too much sugar. But at the time, that's what my body wanted to kind of wake up in the morning along with the coffee. (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember distinctly when my daughter was like a month old, maybe this just tells you how sleep deprived I was. And I was the <laughs> girl in college who, oh, I, let me say, I went to college and grad school and I never pulled an all nighter. I had such a fear of not getting enough sleep. I would never do that. Cause I, was, I didn't either. I wouldn't. That's funny. That's really funny. Um, my husband was like the king of the all nighters, but oh, no. I just, my husband was Sam. Yes. That's I, really funny. We're I like, need my sleep. Yeah. I was always like, and even now it's like, I, I need my sleep too. My son's the same way. He's like, Whatever it is, he's just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Like that's like, I don't care what's going on. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Um, but I remember going to a Starbucks because a babysitter had come over and I'm sitting at our apartment at 83rd and 3rd in New York. It's like 830 in the morning. And this is how sleep deprived I was. I'm sitting at the window and there's all these people going to work. It's must've been like December because she was an October baby. And there's all these people just going to work. And I remember thinking, I wonder if they got any sleep last night and did they appreciate it? Cause I was pissed. Right. I mean, it was cause she'd been up, you know, four times and like yes. everything was still like super gross in my own body. And, yes. and I was like, why did we want to have kids? We should have just gotten dogs, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and I was jealous that these people who 
quite frankly, didn't even notice me. Maybe it got in sleep, but that's where you go to when you're not getting enough sleep. Your brain plays tricks on you and you, your body's trying to help you. So what it does is it tells you fast acting carbs are a really good idea. You know, drink more caffeine when what really helps is to go to bed early that night and kind of like control alt delete the entire thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, but, it, but, but when you have kids and you're in the trenches with a baby, I mean, you're just trying to survive. Yeah. So you just got to give yourself a break. Yep. That's what I tell my friends. Cause I have, uh, in my private Facebook group, I have a few new moms who I know are like, what I, cause I brought up sleep, I think a couple of weeks ago in the group. And I am like, but anyone who has kids like under a year, like just give yourself grace, like do what you yeah. can. Like, I feel like the rules don't really apply to you because who knows? Like maybe your child sleeps through the night at six months or right away. Like I've had people who right away, they, their children do. And I have had friends who like a year and a half and they're still struggling. So like, that's just kind of, I'm like, just give yourself grace and get as much sleep as yeah. you can and, and don't beat yourself up about it. But you have to go to bed early. Like you still have to go to bed early. And that's the other thing. I know a lot of people who don't want to, but I'm like, no, if your kids aren't sleeping at night, you have to, otherwise you're really never going to get enough sleep. But then you get in this weird thing where like the only time you have to yes. yourself. Yep. Is, I was there. Totally. It's from like seven to eight. It's from seven until whenever you decide to go to bed. Yep. And then you're like, well, you know what? I deserve this ice cream because yep. my life is horrible. <laughs> yes. No, I told, I that's exactly how no. I was. That, oh so, but, I, but I'm saying it's that's all, that's also a sign of sleep is sleepless yes. of chronic sleep. Yes. I can't even of not having a sleep to sleep is because you start rationalizing things you would never do logically because you're so off. But again, when you have kids that are, you know, this huge asterisk next to what I'm saying is that, you know, we get it. We've been there. It's a really hard time, but do yourself a favor and just go to bed. Yeah. Like, I promise you just go to bed. They will eventually go to sleep, but don't buy the ice cream. It's really not going to help you. Um, get some sleep. You'll never regret going to bed early. <laughs> I promise you that. Yes. And one of the things that I learned, um, actually from my Ayurvedic teacher, she had said to have in the postpartum period to have like a wellness advocate. So maybe mm. spouse and who like helps tell you, no, you should probably go to bed rather than staying up and watching a TV show with them, you know, just saying, Hey, you know what? I think you should just go to bed. Like we'll, we'll watch the show another night. Yeah. And um, like my husband did that to me. I didn't always listen. No, I was but, like, how'd that go over? Yeah. Yeah. He tried <laughs> so, like, you know, having, you know, maybe occasionally I would listen because then he would try to remind me. Me, like, do you remember how you're going to feel the next day? And sometimes it would work, sometimes not, but at least like someone's there trying to kind of help you. Yeah, no, I can imagine. No, I mean, it's, you need that because you get in this, this is the only time I have all day to myself, yeah. but then actually like you need to go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And it's not fulfilling time. And this could be, even if you don't have young kids, like my husband's a night owl and I try to make sure he goes to bed like before 2am. I'm like, our son is still going to get up at seven or eight and you're not going to get that much sleep. So I try to like just gentle reminders, like just know this is your fault, you know? Yeah, I know. But the problem with that is if you're one of those people, then you get in the whole like nap caffeine cycle where you're always trying to catch up because my husband is one of those people where he's, then he drinks a lot of caffeine, then he can't go to sleep. And so it's like, but the problem is, is the world operates. Yeah at like an eight or nine start yep. in the morning. So no matter when you go to sleep, most traditional jobs start at eight or nine o'clock in the morning. And most kids get up at, I don't know, seven if you're lucky when they're little. Yeah. Um, my kids were like five or six. So Ooh. no matter when you go to bed, they get up when they get up. So I love it. Yeah. It's no, one I, of those things where like, you, you know, you weigh the costs and let's hope your mature side weighs out, you know, just <laughs> wins. But, but then again, when we're really tired, we make dumb choices, like stay up late to watch Game of Thrones or whatever yeah. show you're into. Yes. Yes. Um, and I know we kind of just briefly are touching on this, but you know, like just being unhealthy in general and probably lack of sleep, all of that can affect our careers. So like what else, you know, cause I think sometimes we don't even think about like our health and our careers being tied together, but how do you kind of help people navigate that territory? By looking at the whole, but looking at our whole lives as one big system, like it's not just 
you know, like little spokes of a wheel that aren't connected. Like it's not like you just have, you know, parts of your life and they don't talk to each other. You know, your life is a holistic being. So when we're sleep deprived, right? Even if we have the cutest baby in the world and we go to work in the traditional office or wherever you work, are you going to make the best decisions? Probably not. Are you going to make the best, you know, impression? Probably not. So our health affects all aspects of our life. So why wouldn't it affect work? So why wouldn't it affect, you know, how we present to our employer? But where we can make choices that are positive, we should do the best we can, like getting enough sleep, Mm -hmm. like taking out the processed food, you know, but again, huge asterisk if you have little kids, (laughs) but but no, but, but when we don't feel good about ourselves, like for instance, if we know there's, you know, there's some weight we need to lose or some habits we need to work on, we aren't our best selves. And when we aren't our best selves, we tend to be irritable. We tend to not necessarily stand up for ourselves in a firm way that is respectful. We don't always draw healthy boundaries, but when we're feeling better, you know, in our own skin, it's amazing how we can communicate better, how we can be a better friend, a better wife, a better sister, a better employee, a better employer. So our health affects everything and everything affects our health. So in the same way, if you're really stressed out at work, it can impact how you sleep. If you don't sleep really well, it can impact how you perform at work. So it's not something that doesn't have an impact on other things. It's all one big system. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the same with like stress and absolutely we're always, especially now, I feel like that's like the hot topic is just, everyone's just constantly in a stressed out state and just knowing, you know, like, are you just surviving at the end of the day versus maybe you could be thriving? I think so many, yeah. especially, you know, if you're a parent, like you're at the end of the day, you're tired. Oh my God. You're like, I don't want to do anything more. And like a lot of people will, you know, Hey, I justify the glass of wine, which then again, it leads to the sleep and the career. I mean, you can kind of just see how all of this plays a role and a factor in your life. Cause then, okay, I slept in. Now I skipped my workout. Now I'm even crabbier. And it's just one big cycle that we kind of get sucked into. Yeah, no, I have a lot of, I mean, a lot of friends with the wine o'clock and I've never been a wine person. I'm like I said, I was a sugar person. Yeah. So, um, wines never really moved me. It's just, I got lucky with that one. I have other things that moved me, but I know plenty of people where it's like, is it what, is it five o'clock yet? And they are just, you know, getting out the, getting out the wine because not in a, you know, intervention kind of thing, <laughs> but you know, they start the day with caffeine, they end with wine. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, one to wake up, one to wind down yeah. and it does Im- impact their health. It does impact their relationships. It does impact their work performance, but it seems like you're, there's no way to, like I said, like control all delete yeah. without something something basically falling off. However, you can start by, you know, wanting to, like, let's talk about how you want to improve things, but you can't have everything. You can't say, I want my health to be better, but I still get a bottle of wine. You can't say, I want my health to be better, but I still don't ever want to give up my junk food. So if on one hand you have health and productivity and better relationships and happiness. On the other hand, you have wine and cookies. I mean, it's pretty clear to me what the right decision is. But oftentimes with clients, what I've noticed is when you put them like that, they get very like startled because they've never broken it down to that sort of A or B, you know, Mm -hmm. would you rather have your health or would you rather have wine? Wait, what? would you rather have happiness and friendships or would you rather have cookies? Like, well, obviously friendships and happiness. Okay. But when you make this decision, you might not realize it, but day after day, cookie after cookie, you are choosing this because they don't see the cumulative effects. They just think, you know, 
it's just today or that was just last week, but day after day, you know, week after week, eventually it's, you know, a lifetime of bad decisions. So it can be done, but we have to be aware of it first. I think that's the main thing is just knowing, okay, like every once in a while, you know, having a cookie, having a glass of wine, fine. But with that cycle, you know, I think is that's what we're talking about is just that perpetual, just everyday cycle. And I think, you know, if you're in it or not, you know, you don't always want to acknowledge that you might be in the cycle, but you know, just knowing, okay, I'm been stuck in this, like, okay, I'm just craving, you know, if it's wine, if it's cookies, if it's, you know, chocolate, whatever, you know, at the end of the day, then you'll know day after day, that's kind of that stuck cycle and something's got to give. And, you know, I, one way that I've kind of played with that, cause I actually was, well, I would have wine probably just on the weekends. And I really, I'm like, no, this is not fulfill me. Like on a Friday or Saturday to have like two glasses of wine on each night. Cause nobody wants a, a bottle of wine, you know, the next week cause it's gross. The wine that's left over. <laughs> and so, so nice of you. <laughs> I know. Right. So I'm like, no, gotta have the two. Uh, or cause gosh, you can't dump the wine down the drain. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, grapes died for that wine. I know. Right. So like you justify all these things. <laughs> But then I'm like, in my Ayurveda school, we've really been talking about the liver and the liver. And I'm like, I don't know if this subconsciously, like just me just learning everything that the liver does for us. Like I have just like, no, I like do not want any alcohol because I only liked, you know, red wine is the only thing I would drink. But I was like, no, I don't even want that just because I'm like, I know what it's doing to my body. And then on top of it, you know, my caffeine and I do like coffee. And that is something that is not Ayurvedic, but I... I don't think I will give that one up. Like I like having a cup or two a day. And that's where I'm like, if I'm going to do that, well then for me, like giving up wine is my compromise. And that's something I'm okay with. And I think a lot of us, like there is maybe that compromise in your health that, okay, I might have to give something up, but I'm going to keep this or this can stay, but you have to decide what's right for you. And I think that's the, again, taking the time to look in and just noticing what is that for you? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, not everyone has the same triggers and not everyone has the same, like I said, like, I don't care about wine. So if I go to a cocktail party and someone hands me, you know, a glass of Pinot Grigio, I can nurse that thing all night. (laughs) I mean, people are always like, it's such a waste to give you wine. I'm like, you want it? You know, cause I don't care about it. So for me to keep wine, you know, in my possible, you know, food protocol or food plan, isn't a big deal, mm-hmm. but there's certain things I can't keep. Like I can't keep, you know, bags of candy anymore. And I can't keep, you know, cake. Cause I just, you know, I'll just go crazy quite frankly, like chemically, emotionally, it's just not working. But with all of us, we have to, you know, be aware, like you said, like how you thought about it and you became more aware of, you know, Ayurveda's perspective on your liver and on and on and on. But if you're not willing to at least open yourself up to wait, how is this impacting me? How am I feeling about it? Then you really need to think about what's going on behind it. Because if you're looking forward to that wine way too much, what's going on? I'm not Mm -hmm. saying again, like, you know, intervention, but you know, maybe there's something in your life that needs to be adjusted. I don't know, but we're not going to notice or even be able to fix it if you don't ask the question. Yes. And so many of us are just trying to numb out constantly, you know, whether it be social media or the news or, you know, shopping or whatever, food, wine, you know, you name it. But what are we all doing? And often if we just slow down and pay attention to what we're feeling, you'd be amazed at what is truly going on. I have a 12 year old, the one that used to never sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Usually when she overreacts 99% of the time, when I talk to her after she's stopped overreacting, there's something usually that's bothering her that has nothing to do with what she's overreacting about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about the injustice that her brother did. It's about <laughs> the fact that her and her friend Snapchat didn't go well or everybody else is having fun without her or whatever. But when she acts really angry about, you know, who's sitting in the front seat on the way to school, it seems like, what is her problem? But 
what really is bothering her is something completely unrelated. So if you ask yourself the same thing, what is really going on there that I can't wait for the wine? Is that because you don't like your job? Is that because you really need extra help with your kids? Is it because I don't know, Mm -hmm. you can't address it if you don't know what's there in the begin to begin with. Mm -hmm. I know that was, so for me, like what I have realized is like, no, because I can just feel like the up level in myself Mm -hmm. and my business. And I'm like, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm scared to go to that level. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to keep myself down a level because I know this will keep me there rather than being like, no, you know what? Like it's going to be, it's going to require changes. Things will change, but like being okay with that. So like, those are like, sometimes it's that. And I knew it, like I knew why. And sometimes like, again, we probably know why we're doing it, but we just don't always want to be like, this is it. Like, this is, this is my reason. Cause it can be ugly. It can mean lots of changes, um, and things that you don't want to look at. But I, I mean, not looking at them, it's not necessarily a fulfilling life to live anyway. Yeah. And also when you're about to up level, the amount of resistance you can put up can be oh huge. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like I mean, fighting it tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah. Like this, the, like just the rigidity and the stubbornness and you're just yes. fighting it and fighting it. And yes. You know. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's where I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm like moving past that. Great. So now we've got that done. Perfect. Then until the next thing comes up, because there will always be probably the next thing. (laughs) Oh, you can guarantee it. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh, Well, we are approaching, um, gosh, probably around 40 minutes now. So I want to know where people can connect with you at, where they can find your book. Oh, yeah, no problem. Um, My website is EW Wellness Solutions. And my book is coming out in bookstores in November. But in the meantime, it is on Amazon. Why can't I stick to my diet? I love it. Love it. All right. And then my final question is, I always have a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you guys kind of throw out a little weekly challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? I would like everyone to pick one meal a day and just do the pause technique we talked about. So before you eat, check in with yourself, how you're feeling, what's going on, the whole thing. And halfway through the meal, put down your fork, just assess like head to toe. Like, how am I thinking? How am I feeling? Does this taste okay? Is it digesting okay? All that stuff. And then afterwards, 20 minutes or so, same thing. And at the end of the week, notice any patterns because that is a really good way to see our emotions affecting your eating. Do you like what you're eating? Cause usually there's a, a pattern there. Mm. And if we're not willing to at least pause and think about things, we need to ask ourselves why. So that's what I recommend. So if everyone could just for the next you know week, just do that. Just doesn't have to be every meal. Just pick one meal a day oh, and just check in with yourself. Yeah. And especially the mid meal one, because I think sometimes we eat so fast, like that's me with the muffin. I was like, and it was gone before I even knew I ate it. So like that mid meal, like to actually wait, am I still hungry or did I just scarf down my food and I didn't even notice it? So that's a great one. But what's really important with that, which I need to just point out, put down your fork or in that case, put down the muffin (laughs) (laughs) and just give yourself 30 seconds or even 60 if you can. And just really think about, it might be a little like disconcerting if you're like with another person and they'll just keep talking probably. And just check in with yourself because you really want to like think about like, how is this tasting? How is this digesting? How are my head? How's my head at? Like, what am I thinking about? Because the entire time you're thinking about something really weird when you're eating? Are you even noticing your food? Like all of these things are really important when we're trying to do the mind body connection, like rewire. Cause so many of us, it's, you know, it's such a frazzled concept, but putting down your fork and just not eating for a minute and just, do I still want this? Yes. Cause uh. especially in restaurants where the portions like 
I can think of one restaurant in particular that has um, a menu like a phone book. Yep, yep. Another you know, restaurant. Yeah, you know, exactly right. <laughs> um, rhymes with cheesecake. <laughs> there's like eight chicken breasts and like the chicken biscuits or whatever, and you're like, even in my hungriest day, I mean, there's no way. But just check in with yourself because you know you can always eat it later. Like that's what I tell my clients. You can always eat it later. Like you know, just put it in a doggy bag, whatever they're calling it nowadays and finish it later. There's not a huge rush. Like no one's going to take your food away from you. Just say, can you wrap it up mm-hmm. for when you're feeling better? Like I said, also when you're upset, don't eat. Like you were saying about Ayurveda, like Ayurveda is very specific on how people should be eating as well. So just taking those simple guidelines and not worrying about the calories so much, but kind of like overarching how you're living mm-hmm. versus you know, minutia of the calories. Mm. I love it. Oh, thank you so much, Erin. I've learned thank so you. much and I've loved our chat today. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes. And I want everyone to go out there and spread your peaceful power. Oh, thank you. You were great. Today's podcast is sponsored by my divine body wisdom retreat. You guys, I am so excited to host this. So if you didn't know, I'm actually going to be hosting a retreat October 20th from nine to five in Osceola, Wisconsin. So it's about an hour drive from St. Paul, Minneapolis area. And this is gonna be something that I created, basically something that I would want to go to as a participant, especially if you're a busy mom or a type A woman who just has not given herself a break. So I wanted to do this right before kind of the fast paced hustle bustle of the holiday seasons come so you guys can kind of get centered and get grounded in what you wanna do as again, November and December bring a little bit more hectic energy. So what we're going to do is we're going to do some yoga. I'm going to lead you guys through some meditation. Uh, We're going to have some afternoon tea and time for connection with each other. We're going to go on a nature walk. I'm going to teach a couple Ayurvedic lessons and I'm going to cook you guys an Ayurvedic lunch. So it's about education, connection, and really it's time to kind of get centered and come back to you and come back to what your values are and what you're looking to get out of your life, you know, either the rest of 2018 or setting up 2019 to maybe be a little bit more, you know, relaxing and a little bit more time for yourself and the habits that, you know, you really want to cultivate. Because I know personally for me, the last, this summer has really flown by and I want to give you guys this, you know, tool that you can take with you not only during our retreat time, but you'll be able to take with some of these tools that I teach you guys after the retreat is complete. So if you guys want more information about that or to grab your ticket, head on over to andreaclawson.com backslash retreat to sign up and secure your spot today. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.